are listening to episode 77 of the Game Deflators podcast, still practicing social distancing. Here's Ryan. Hey, everybody. Here at the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we get washed away by today's inflation deflation challenge. Yeah, I'd say I was more than uh, washed away. I, I didn't even get to that section of this game, dude. So this week we played uh, Super Ghouls and Ghosts. I think that's the right name. I always mix that one up. Super and Ghouls and Ghosts. And Ghosts. Okay, you know that N is and. It's just a <laughs> fancy way of doing it. So we played that. Um, we actually ended up playing on emulators because, for one thing, I do own a physical copy of this game, but with the whole social distancing thing, Ryan doesn't. So he went ahead and emulated it. Um, I went ahead and did it as well, to be I fair. I played it on the Switch. Oh, well, what the hell, dude? I should have just played it on my SNES. That All right, was well, the idea. Okay, well, I got lazy and I did it on an emulator. He played it on his Switch. Oh, that but, was the whole point of this, John. Oh, well, you know Way what? It's to let the same me thing. down. Same Way to let the thing. listeners down. What are you talking about? We played, well, we let them down because we didn't play Doki Doki Panic this week. Yeah. Yeah, so we were going to do that, but. ROM sites are a pain in the ass nowadays, and I just didn't want to deal with viruses. So if you know a great ROM for Doki Doki Panic and you want to share it with us so we can play it on an episode, go ahead. Otherwise, I'm going to be scanning websites and scanning for viruses and stuff and hoping that uh, nothing gets hacked. Okay, so, uh, dude, uh, pickups. I, I don't even know if I mentioned this in the last episode, but that kid struck again. Okay, the last big pickup that we discussed, I got more. I don't know what's going on here. So... I ended up picking up a complete in box TurboGrafx-16 Duo. It does, in fact, work. And a bunch of Atari games and Intellivision games complete in box, including Springer on the Atari, which is a nice pickup. And I got some PC Engine games called PC Memories. They're all sealed. It's from a PCE something. I don't remember the company. Uh, and then I got a bunch of Japanese Saturn games. So there was a lot of pickups this week. Uh, I'm not going to say what it set me back. It wasn't a huge huge pretty penny there it was uh it was pretty affordable you got a good deal yeah i got a good deal so john always gets his deal i always get my deals always i always have like uh i, I try to keep within 30 percent of the overall like retail value like if it's something like you know if it's something i really want and i'm finding it 50 percent or even 60 percent at retail then yeah, I'll I'll pick it up sometimes if I really want it. But when we're talking like big pickups, I try to get 25, 33% like all the time. I absolutely hate paying a ton of money for games. I always have. And so there's a reason my collection has increased in size over the years and why I have not gone broke. Uh, so anybody listening out there, if that's how you do it. Don't overpay for crap. Uh, but dude, so the Turbo Graphics do a little story behind that. Kid messages me. Um, and when I say kid, he's like 17 or 18. Ryan and I are like double his age. So he messages me and says, hey, I've got this, but it doesn't have the AV cable and it doesn't have the controller. So I look in this tote of wires that he sold me uh, the week prior and I have the controller for the Turbo Duo and I've got the AV cable sitting in there as well. So I'm like, all right, well, hey, it doesn't have this in it. So how about you cut me a deal? Because I don't know if it works. And if it doesn't work, can I get my money back? And he's like, oh, yeah, no problem. And yeah, I'll drop some money off because you got to get a controller and whatnot. So it's like, cool. So I ended up saving a little bit on that. And it works, dude. I popped in. Uh, God, what did I pop in? I popped in that copy of Splatterhouse because I needed to test it. First Is it off. fun? So, 
I played like two minutes. It was oh. fun the two minutes I played. Uh, and then I popped in Cosmic Fantasy 2 to make sure the disc tray worked. And it does. And Cosmic Fantasy 2 does. The other one I have is Exile. I didn't pop that one in yet, but I imagine that one will be okay. And then I did ask him, I just said, hey, man, if you have any other games that you come across for the Turbo Graphics, let me know. So he said he'll keep an eye out and we'll go from there. We'll see what I can get. So that, that's it for pickups this week. What I picked you up pick nothing. Up? That's a lie. You just picked up your Switch. You keep saying that every week. So I did pick up my Switch this week, but not as much. I took a couple days off of Animal Crossing and really screwed myself out of some bells. I, uh, I've i been playing the stock market the last couple weeks and have not been doing well. They are never The turnip prices are never more than what I paid initially for them. And then Friday night, I was going, I didn't end up playing in the morning on Friday. I was going to play that night and just sell, you know, for whatever. And then when I finally realized the stores were already closed, when I, by the time I got around to playing, I was like, oh my God, I can't sell any of my stuff today. What a waste. And then I found out that the next day, I guess after you've played for 30 days, uh, spoiler, your Nook's Cranny gets upgraded to the next size, finally. So more stuff to buy, not much more, but some more stuff to buy. And uh, that makes it be closed for a day. So it was going to be closed on Sunday. So I didn't get to sell any of my turnips and they all rotted. So I lost a ton of bells on that. So that kind of sucked. But the reason I was taking a break from Animal Crossing is because I've been playing Castlevania Symphony of the Night, and it's awesome. and I love it. And I mean, I've played with it a little bit here and a little bit there. And I really liked uh, Dawn of Sorrow on the DS. That was an awesome game. That was probably like the first Castlevania I ever really played. So Symphony of the Night was like right there for me. And I'm almost all the way done i have to get like one more thing i'm not going to get like all the item drops and stuff but i just have to get like one more thing and then i think i'll have done a hundred percent of both maps and beaten all the bosses and gotten all the item or all the relics and stuff so i'll probably finish that up today and then next i think i'm going to move on to paper mario because that's like my favorite game ever and I'm feeling nostalgic for it. So I think all the people really want to know is where Sekido and where is Persona 4? Uh, so I still have Persona 4. I just haven't really been playing it the last couple weeks. And then, dude, I just I'm not in the mood for Sekido anymore. So you're not going to play it anymore? No, I don't think so. I think I'm going to give up on Sekido. What? why dude it's so good i mean i did have a lot of fun playing it but i just don't think the frustrations of sekido are worth my time right now and rather than like go back and just like keep forcing myself against it i think i'll just let that go for a while i think that i was still riding too high on the bloodborne train so i think i need to just sit back take a break for a while and I'll I'll get to it one day. I mean, you'll always have it. Yeah, yeah. All right. So bring it back on over, I guess. Um, 
I, I still think it's pretty funny though. Like you're all high on a Bloodborne trainer. Like, dude, I beat that game in a week. It was awesome. Like, oh, play Sekiro next. You're like, yeah, this will be easy too. Nope, it's no. the hardest one. Well, and it's hard. just I, I don't know. I got to the point where it's like I felt like I had spent so much time in the different areas that I had been to so far like multiple play sessions just kind of going and poking at the edges of what I could do in each of the three areas and kind of going back through them that like I just by the time I got inside that castle and those samurais were like just the regular guys were kicking my ass because I wasn't super good at like doing the counterattacks in time I'm just like man this is too much right now I need something easier This guy's and then Animal hard. Crossing came around, came along, and there was no going back. Oh, uh, I gotcha. All right, we'll just bring it on over, I guess, yeah. when uh, when you can. Um, and then, actually, okay. you know, what? maybe Paper oh. Mario won't be next because we are thinking about picking up Final Fantasy VII soon. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, you gotta tell your wife to play some Senua's Sacrifice, <laughs> dude. It's not gonna happen. Although she was saying she did want to play a game, so maybe she would. I I I'd convince her. I think, her for sure. I think she had tried playing it at one point in time and couldn't figure out something she, about it. She literally couldn't figure out the first puzzle. I'm like, dude, I'm like, go to Google. Like, it'll tell you. Like, I got stuck on the first part because I'm like, what the hell am I supposed to do here? And uh, I figured it out on Google. Mm. Then I progressed. It was a, dude, it's a great game. Like, I'm shocked that she hasn't given it another shot. Um, okay, so my currently playing, I do have an update on Neverwinter Nights. We are on chapter three, Ryan. We have entered the city of Luskin, and we have killed both of the uh, both of the captains of the guard in Luskin, who have pretty much tried to destroy the city. So uh, that is where we are right now. Uh, Lady Arabeth has disappeared in uh, chapter three, and we're trying to figure out what the hell's going on. So I'm enjoying it. I've actually kind of gotten that second wind uh, pun on D and uh, that you know. I think it's uh, or no step of the wind. Sorry, not not second wind. I've gotten that step of the wind. There is and... a second wind skill. Okay, well then both step skill. of the wind and second wind. All right, well both, Ryan. I got both of those in D and D and Neverwinter Nights, and we're having a good bit of fun. So, the other thing I'm playing right now, obviously, is still Arkvalad Three. I'm on mission twenty six, and that is roughly about a quarter way through the game, uh, give or take. Uh, so I think there's like 102 missions in the game. So yeah, I'm about 25% through on that. I'm enjoying it still. And we are in the city of Gislem is where we're at, or the, the continent where Gislem is located. And the mission I just finished was pretty interesting. So you have this power plant that you're going into. And when you get in the power plant, they're like, oh, our chief of the power plant is, uh, there's accidents occurring coincidentally and we're trying to figure out what it is and the last chief at a power plant died so we're trying to figure out what's going on well i'm kind of guessing right now i mean i'm trying to not spoil it for myself but when you go in the chief at a power plant's like i don't want you here why are you here like you need to leave and everything they're like no we were hired and because we're hunters we have to finish our mission um and see it through either fail or completion and so Basically, you go downstairs uh, after he gets pissed off and then somebody sneaks in and tries to uh, kill him. And so you have to defeat that person. But what's interesting is that the last person that was the chief of this power plant uh, ended up dying in an accident that people are thinking was a murder. 
And this guy's like, no, I don't want you around. And then this other person sneaks in and is like, you know what you did. You're a fiend and everything else. And then leaves. So my suspicion is that the new chief of the power plant murdered the old chief. And I'm in the middle of this like whole power plant drama in Arclight 3. It's pretty cool. So the battle system's awesome. I'm like level 19 with all my characters. I'm crushing everybody that comes around. So I'm really liking this game right now. And I can't wait to beat it. Like that'll complete the PS1 series for me. And then maybe we'll see about moving into the PS2 ones. They're not as highly regarded. So not sure on those yet. And I honestly, I think after this, my next game is going to be Agony, despite how bad it's supposed to be. I'm going to try Agony out. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, let's uh, get into the nitty gritty news that this uh, episode is going to be titled about. Nintendo Switch 2. Is the leak true? I like that. That's a bit of a rhyme. So this one is by The Gamer at YouTube. So go check him out. And what he ends up discussing is... Nintendo just recently released a patch. I think it was 10.0.0. And there's specifically a piece in a code that has um, like a console number or coding in it. And it's very similar to when they first had the uh, Switch Lite. And this code was placed in, you know, a previous update. And people kind of put two and two together and are like, hey, Nintendo's coming out with a Switch Lite. And it's this handheld console. Like they were able to kind of pinpoint based on what was in that code that Nintendo was up to something. Well, that code or a similar code has reappeared. And his idea here is, you know, it looks like Nintendo's coming off a Nintendo Switch DS, which would pretty much be a Switch, but with the DS screen on top. So I'll let you go ahead and start, Ryan. Uh, I've got my own thoughts on this. And I, I do think it's pretty cool, but I'll let you go first. The more I try to think about this, I try to come up with some way in my head to think about how exactly this would work, like what the design of it would be, if there would be a way to use a dual screen DS as like you can dock part of it and use part of it in handheld, or you can use both parts in handheld and have either like, you know, either method for dual screen. Like, would that be a possibility? Like, would there be a way to have like some sort of other attachment that you could theoretically attach to any current switch to modify it to be compatible with this like if i have the original switch would there be some type of second screen that i could buy just that portion and click my joy cons into while my original switch sits in the dock and then i can have a dual screen setup or if i have a switch light would there be something that i could do something similar with so if they're going to come out with something dual screen is going to totally fragment the market into, you know, people that have features and people that don't have features. And at some point there will be a line of games that either, you know, the additional features that it provides aren't really worth it depending on what the investment is. Like I, I find it hard to think that I would ditch my original switch for another version just because i do play in portable most of the time 
But the whole cool thing about the Switch is that you can play on your TV or handheld. Like, I wouldn't give up half of that to get, like, a newer version. Now, dual screen, that's a totally different thing. Like, that might be worth the upgrade, especially because I'm having Joy-Con write trouble all the time now. Like, it's constantly saying that it's disconnected. So, my point on this, and I'm actually going to do a quick quote here. And this is from our, uh, our friend PK in the universe. So somebody had posted a meme that had like Mario with the switch and it's like, eh, you know, but we, okay, cool. And uh, so I, I've got it retweeted on our Twitter account. So uh, people could check that out at game deflators because Twitter doesn't like the, but basically he said, uh, people talking crap about the Wii U can go stick a rubber hose up their nose. People who think the switch is the end all be all console. And that the Wii U has nothing to offer to live in fantasy land. Well, guess what this sounds like, dude? Multiple screens, coding to say a secondary screen. I'm thinking that this could potentially mean Nintendo is looking to do some sort of mirroring with their console that would allow you to have it in handheld mode and also have it on your TV for a secondary component to the screen, which would be amazing if they did something like this. So See, that's I would what love I'm saying, but it's like if you're going to make it capable of doing that, would you also make it capable of doing that? in some sort of clamshell? Well, you know, I think it would be more of an option, right? So if you want to play with, you know, multiple screens, you have that option. But if you don't, then you don't. So kind of like with the uh, the Wii U, you could play with a Pro Controller, no issues. You didn't necessarily need to use a touchpad to play the game. So you did have those options. Uh, I think if they did something like that for Switch, it'd be amazing to have a Wii U-like feature. And it would just make me laugh because everybody had just crapped all over the Wii U to now be clamoring for the Wii U screens too. on their Switch. Yeah, right? Like, it would just be such irony. Like, you didn't pick up the Wii U because you were dumb and you thought it was garbage. And now, dude, I can't tell you how often now I see people wanting to pick up Wii U's. Like, locally, through different applications and Craigslist or anything else, people are like, oh, I want a Wii U. I want a Wii U. Why didn't you buy it when it was out? And then maybe we could have had like... I, I think that people love you know, the Wii U now because they could probably like play all the DS games on it. All the DS games? Yeah, because you've got a touchpad with a stylus oh. and a TV. Yeah, no, I gotcha. Yeah, for sure. And if you can mod it to play DS games, holy I'm sure. crap. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, you can do it on sure. the PS Classic. I haven't tried yet. Yeah, I, I wouldn't do DS on there. But if you hack the Wii U to be able to play DS games, you're like, yeah, for sure, dude. Like, that'd be awesome. So that's really my my point on it, man. Um, multiple screens. If they had like a flip top, like a new Switch DS, it seems kind of lame in my opinion and super bulky. Like, wouldn't it just kind of be a DS? Like, not really a Switch. So... Yeah, it's just odd. Uh, now, with multiple screens, O'Brien, you could catch the Game Deflators podcast on the top and then play your games on the bottom. So you can find us on pretty much all your Android applications. Apple, they have Apple Podcasts, and uh, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, everywhere podcasts are found. YouTube, you if us, you want. Let us know. Yeah, I got to keep that updated. It's been a while. Uh, and then, obviously, social media. Find us on, we're actually on Reddit, funny enough. Uh, find us on Facebook at The Game Deflators, Instagram at The Game Deflators, and as I said before, Twitter at Game Deflators because they don't like the. They don't. We don't know why. They you don't. know, somebody should ask them. No. Uh, but, dude, going into Nintendo, of course, I'll let you uh, cap this one off here. 
Uh, Nintendo confirms that the 160,000 accounts were accessed in a huge privacy breach. This is Tom Phillips at Eurogamer. And uh, Ryan, take it away. I mean, security breaches are just like a way of life nowadays. I mean, last year, all those uh, E3 attendees, their information was leaked. You know, uh, Sony's had a history of PlayStation Network getting breached. Uh, It sucks. Like, you know, it's just kind of a part of the modern world we live in. I try not to worry about it too much. I try not to sign up for accounts, but I could be smart. I mean, one of my friends, every time he signs up for something new, he makes a new email, his name dot whatever the service is. And that's the only email attached to that. Like some people are way smarter about it. Like at least I have a VPN and I have a password generator store program. Like I'm taking better steps than I used to, but you know, we all have to be aware that this kind of thing happens. And I mean, 160,000 people, that's a lot of people. I mean, and considering the Switch's install base, it could have been much worse. There could have been much higher numbers of people that this affected. So, I mean, at least it was only people's NNID accounts that were susceptible. Not everybody has an NNID account. Um, I do, and I haven't received any any messages or anything saying that my information was breached. I did see the update that they talk about uh, kind of suggesting that you use two-step authentication on your Switch. Um, And two-step authentication is huge now. Lots of places are using it. I think it's a good idea. I don't know that I'm actually going to set my Switch up to it, but I probably should. I know that... Now people people know, right? Yeah, they're going to hack you. Well, now I'll have to do it. I mean, and John and I were just talking about security recently because uh, we've been talking about building a Game Deflators website and uh, security was a concern. You know, John was like, you know, I kind of want to use this one, but people are saying that, you know, they have a history of being hacked or whatever and other people are saying it's totally fine. So it's like, it, it is a concern that you should have out there, and it sucks that it affected people, but it doesn't seem like anybody's uh, credit information was accessed or nobody was able to get into anybody's uh, Nintendo Switch online accounts and purchase anything or anything like that. It was just like, uh, I think it was name, nickname, age, date of birth, and the country you were born in or something like that. It was kind of some very general information, stuff that you would see yeah. on somebody's unprivate Facebook account. Yeah, that's kind of scary, too, with the uh, unprivate Facebook accounts. So, yeah, my view on this man is, yeah, definitely it sounds like they didn't have dual authentication before, right? Just based on that article. So I don't recall them having dual authentication on the Nintendo accounts, but uh, if it is there, awesome. If not, it would not surprise me if that didn't exist until this occurred, really. And one of my top concerns over this isn't necessarily that it happened because it is kind of commonplace nowadays for your information to be compromised. Hence the whole like Equifax thing, Sony's whole issue. I think Target had a breach years ago for a red card. Like 
it's all over. Like, it's not uncommon. The thing that concerns me about it, though, is Nintendo said that they had experienced this several weeks ago and they when they first started noticing the attempts to hack data. So what did Nintendo do to try and, you know, deter that effort? Like, did they ramp up their security? Like, did they email anybody? No, I mean, we literally just found that out after it happened, but they knew it was actively occurring. So that's what's kind of frustrating. So I look at this from as an individual that was looking to purchase via Nintendo Switch Online and get my information on there and, you know, be set up. And now I kind of don't want to do that. You know, like you obviously didn't let people know until several weeks after it, you know, after attempts were occurring. Oh, wait, hold on. What? I totally screwed up here. So in the original, yeah, in the original story, it says that the, uh, the accounts were used to access and make purchases. So I definitely (laughs) misspoke earlier. (laughs) Yeah. And we can't edit that out on this, uh, this recording. That's okay. I caught it. I caught it. Yeah. You did. You did. So if you they're not going to read the you, article, they would never know. Let us uh, know if you maybe. actually read the articles we talk about. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, look, look at you if you're gaffes, dude. All right. So I actually read the article, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, look, I'm looking to potentially get switch online right now. I know this doesn't necessarily affect it too much, uh, but it's really a matter of security, right? If Nintendo's not taking the necessary steps to secure my data, why am I going to take steps to purchase their online software or their, you know, their online platform that they've got going on? It just doesn't really breathe a lot of confidence to me when this type of stuff is occurring and you're not taking like crazy steps and you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, this kind of happened and you should do authenticate and we're going to send an email out. Like, I haven't seen an email come out. I haven't even seen an email come out that said, hey, just so you know, all of these accounts were hacked yours wasn't hacked or yours was like nothing's come out so this is really like bad on their part from a security standpoint and i'm just not confident yeah i'm just not confident with them in their process here yeah i i don't know what happened i completely missed the original story part of this article i only read the update (laughs) (laughs) yeah so the original yeah it was weird like i almost missed it too so if you do read these articles, uh, so Tom's keep scrolling. Start, yeah, keep scrolling because there's an update, and then it has like a block of advertisements, if I recall. Yeah, and then it has uh, the article again. I'm like, dude, like you're supposed to just kind of say, hey, there was an update to the article, all of it there, and then put the update underneath to correct yourself. So it's really odd the way that this was formulated. Maybe it's. A, I'm, I'm sure you do view. a fine job, Tom Phillips. We're not we're not criticizing you. We just. We both got a little confused. We also know it was probably your editor that wanted the uh, that part up top. So you're cool. Okay. So uh, this one, dude, I don't agree with this article in the slightest, but we're going to talk about it. Oh, uh, my have- gosh. This is, this is my favorite, okay? So we've been doing some listicles lately. Like, we didn't actually make a list of this stuff ourselves to go with the one that we're talking about this week. But I love this. This is great. I remember like almost every bit of this happening as it happened. And that's so much more reassuring that like, oh, man, like, yeah, that totally did suck. I'm right with this guy. This is a Sony slip ups ahead of the PS5. We look back at the PlayStation tech that just didn't work. This is by Matthew Ford at Tech Radar. It is a top list of services and tech and all things 
PlayStation related that are just absolute fall on your face moments. Like it's incredible that the PlayStation Ford has sold more than 102 million worldwide, making the system the second best selling console of all time, not including handhelds. Like Sony can knock it out at the park. They can do an awesome, awesome job. But just as often, it seems like they can fall flat on their faces. So let me uh, go through the list here for folks. Uh, so this is a list of things about Just take five. it one at a time. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. All right. So okay, one start off play with the PlayStation Classic, which we just literally talked about last week and a week prior. Yeah. See, I I can't believe this. Like, I paid $20. I bought an extra $40 worth of stuff to make it awesome. Like for the hundred dollars that they launched this for, they could have made like the absolute greatest thing. Like all, all they really would need to do is throw like an extra, you know, 50 bucks at it. And they still could have charged the hundred if it had like, like both of the classic controllers that it came with but also just put in like a built-in Bluetooth receiver so that you could play with other systems, you know, include more games, you know, make the menu maybe a little bit more, I don't know. Like I remember the, like the splash screen for like the PlayStation and like where you could go into like, the music player and listen to a cd and stuff like that like Mm -hmm. i would have loved to seen like that in there you know give me give me some menu options other than just like this rotating wheel of games yeah and dude i've seen some of the uh, emulator software out there that people are bragging about like oh look what i got and it's this giant ass wheel that just keeps going i'm like oh my god how can you deal with that that's why i only added like two games so far yeah like to add all of them come on there's gotta be some other like because you're never gonna play all that stuff anyways just get what you need yeah exactly so okay the playstation classic yeah i agree if you dude like they launched this thing out at 100 bucks out the gate crappy price point it didn't include a whole lot like if you looked at japan's list of games compared to ours japan had an amazing list of games now if they would have done this okay if they would have done what they're doing to turbo graphics which is include japanese games and North American based games or English games, then I could see the justification for a hundred dollar price point, like 60 games. And those 60 games could be Japanese games you've never even heard of. And some that you have heard of, but never had a chance to play as well as like some iconic PlayStation games that would have been flipping sweet. Well, and like Nintendo, when they did the super Nintendo, they officially released star Fox two for the first time. Like, that was an awesome, cool thing to do. Like, there's got to be something that Sony has never released that's completely finished for PlayStation. There's got to be one or two of those lying around. It's probably not going to be as classic and desired as Star Fox 2. But, I mean, it still would have been something. Exactly. So, the next one on the list, dude, is PlayStation The Eye of Judgment. Oh, man. I remember wanting this because it was going to make all of my Yu-Gi-Oh dreams come true. So Ryan, you could still make your Yu-Gi-Oh dreams come true because I own Eye of Judgment and all the peripherals and stuff along with cards. That does not surprise me whatsoever. Yes, we should do that. (laughs) 
we should. So I did pick this up when it first came out. Okay, once and... once we're done with uh, quarantine, we're gonna definitely have to inflation deflation. Eye of judgment, dude. I love that judgment. It was so cool. It was so ahead of its time and what they were doing. But the problem was is that they were so far ahead of its time, and it was difficult to like. I can tell you, some of the hangups I had were lighting issues. So some of the cards you it just didn't load up right away. Um, the placement and how you had to get it to work. Like you had to have this stand set up with a camera looking down on this mat that everything laid out on and it would try to scan the, um, uh, what do you call it? Those codes, QR codes mm. that were on the cards or just the, you know, barcodes. And it just, it didn't work half the time. So when it did work, it was flipping awesome. And I loved it so much, but it got, it was just so gimmicky. My brother and I played it several times. And after a while we're like, okay, this is really cool, but is anybody else collecting this? And that was the issue. Like, if, say, it took off, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! or Pokemon, and we were trading Eye of Judgment cards or, like, a Magic the Gathering type of thing where you could play in person and you could, like, have that community, that wasn't there. And that's what this was really missing. Wizards so, of the Coast is going to, at some point, have well, to be have. like, when is... Uh, augmented reality glasses gonna be a thing because we're gonna make a bajillion dollars. So they kind of have done it with um, they have this Magic the Gathering online setup. I forget the technical term. No, no, but I mean doing. for like at table play with like three D oh. projection thing, like augmented reality glasses, like w- Pokemon Wizards of the Coast, like card companies that are already super established. They're gonna make so much money. Probably, yeah, if I probably somehow... Pokemon will make the most. Like, imagine playing the Pokemon card game, and it looks like you're having a Pokemon battle on the table. Like, that's going to be sick. Yeah, that would be pretty sick. In regard to Yu-Gi-Oh!, if I had the opportunity to send somebody to the Shadow Realm, I totally would actually pick up Yu-Gi-Oh! again. There you go. So, here's the thing, man. Far ahead of its time, uh, augmented reality in a sense that would go on your screen and populate was a really cool concept. I applaud them for it. The PlayStation I obviously went on to uh, become a big thing with the PS4 and and used with the uh, VR setup, but and really the, the you know the remotes as well that came out with it. But the community just wasn't there, like I said. So that was the big holdup for me is when I would ask people, "Hey, do you play Eye of Judgment?" Like, what the hell's that? That was a problem, and that's why I stopped. You know, it, I could have picked up packs and all of that and had a lot of fun and had all the cards on hand, but at the end of the day, if nobody else is playing it, why are you going to play it? So, well, I mean, thing, that's uh, oh. that's exactly what happened with the next thing on the list, the PlayStation Vita. Uh, so he says in here that the uh, the slick powerhouse that was the PlayStation Portable accumulated more than 80 million sales and received positive feedback from both critics and fans. Yet its successor, the PS Vita, failed to surpass the 16 million mark by most estimates man i love my vita that's why i've been playing persona 4 although not as much recently my vita is like oh it's my favorite it's one of my favorite consoles to sit down and play it's not my favorite console but it's one of my favorites and it sucks that like there just wasn't much there for it like i like my psp but the vita is just like above and beyond i mean it's the game gear of pre 3ds handhelds 
I can tell you that once I get rid of pretty much all of these games I've picked up that are extras here at the house, I'm probably going to pick up a PS Vita because I've really wanted one for a long time. And I, I never did pick it up when it was out there. I think you can get the Japanese ones pretty cheap, actually. It's just the control interface is swapped on some stuff like Circle and X or swap. Free has the Japanese on the, one. Uh, does she? Mm-hmm. On a, a Vita? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. She likes it? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll probably end up... Nice. Yeah, I was actually looking at a blue one. So I'll probably get a Japanese one at some point here. Maybe a US one, pending the color. And I really want one. And I, I see a lot of people starting to want this console as well. I'm surprised it didn't sell so much. But I think you could probably lay that down to marketing, right? And well, I think the... it's giant in Japan. It just never really caught on in the West. Well, I mean, 16 million worldwide is not a huge number. I mean, that's minuscule compared to some. I mean, come on. It sold less than a quarter of what the PSP sold. And the PSP yeah, but I think most of those sales were in Japan versus the 80 million being like probably mostly in Japan, but also spiking in other places. Like it just never really made it big anywhere else. Because, I mean, when you go when I was in Japan, I mean, they had giant, giant volumes of vita games in these stores and it's like that was the problem here is like you'd go to gamestop there'd be like half an end cap with two rows and maybe like 10 games total like yeah there was just no games no support like i mean i love doing the the every month on the you know getting the free playstation games for the Vita, well, so that was great. What's funny is the article that. here. Yeah, I didn't even think about uh, reading the rest of this section here for the Vita because I just went through the list. I'm like, okay, I can kind of agree with these. So it even says in here, my part on marketing, Sony's marketing of the product was lacking on all fronts alongside the most damning nail in the coffin being that first party support swiftly disappeared. So if you don't market your product and you don't support it with games, then nobody's going to purchase it. And that's obviously what happened with them. So that and you know combination of having to go up against the 3ds during the same time frame i mean that console has sold millions of copies as yeah. well as the ds so well, and nintendo's yeah. always been king of the handheld world especially here in the west exactly okay well, so next up kind of ties yeah. in the playstation tv and this is something that i really want because this is the best way to capture vita footage Because you can remote up to the PlayStation TV and then stream that through and use your HDMI splitter and hook up your recording device. So I've always wanted that to try recording stuff, but it just wasn't really popular. Like nobody really bought into the idea that it would be, you know, a rival to become the next Netflix or like Apple TV uh they said that it was a 720p shaky output with very limited number of vita games actually playable because the idea was that you could hook your uh ps3 controller up to this and be able to just use it as like a digital player for uh some playstation psp and uh ps3 and vita titles So it was supposed to be like a really cool streaming box type setup. And I just never really got off the ground. 
Yeah, dude. And these things are going for quite a bit on eBay nowadays. Uh, in the they were like a hundred bucks, and they dropped down to like forty or fifty at one point. And I wanted to get one, and I just never did. Yeah, they're selling all day long, man. Like one fifty on up to like two hundred fifty dollars. So yeah, they're they're pretty pricey nowadays. Um, I personally, I think people are loading up with games and then popping it onto their TV for the most part, like an emulator, if I'm correct. But I don't know too much about it to really talk a whole lot on it. Uh, but yeah, man, they're going for a good price point now. Obviously, it's just like all the other items on this list, right? So out the gate, Sony released a product. It didn't do so well. You could probably tail it to marketing and saying like they just did a crap job and there wasn't a lot of demand. And now several years down the road, people are like, hey, this is actually a really cool thing. Like I should totally buy this. Like seriously, Sony? Like you don't do a good job out the gate, then your products get left out on the street and sold for exorbitant prices several years down the road when you probably just could have kept going with it um, and really amped up that marketing game. So, yeah, this next, next one is the up. only one that I didn't even know anything about. Same here. And I'm actually the most excited about this one. Go go on. Uh, so next we have the PlayStation Mouse. It's exactly what you think. It is a gray two-button mouse with a white background Sony logoed mouse pad. And uh, instead of having a USB port on the other end of the mouse, it has the proprietary PlayStation 1 plug-in. Pretty much. And uh, it only had 70 games that were compatible. And that's pretty much why it didn't have any life or... I never heard about it because who knows what those 70 games are. I mean, could you imagine, like, can you play Final Fantasy VII with a mouse? I mean, they made a PC version, so it must be doable. I guess. You know what, though? Uh, looking at this, I never thought about this when I was growing up. I have Command & Conquer. I think it's Red Alert on there. No, it's just probably Command & Conquer on the PlayStation. I always, because I was playing StarCraft and such at the same time frame, I always wanted a mouse. I'm like, man, this game could really use a mouse. Like, there's no reason I should be playing this thing right now. If a controller is such a pain in the ass. I find out today years old that there's a mouse that I could have been hooking up to play Command & Conquer years ago. And well, probably for less it than what it sells for. I could, but now do I really want to play Command & Conquer on a PlayStation 1? Probably not. Why not? I don't know. Because, okay, so a little backstory here on the Command & Conquer. I got the game for my cousin. All right. The same cousin that gave me his Dreamcast stuff and Sega Genesis stuff years ago. And he actually told me that they would play Command and Conquer, no mouse controllers, and they would do it with multiple people at their house. So they would hook up several TVs and have it hooked up that way to play Command and Conquer. Oh, wow. That's weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about it with like the Xbox. When you wanted to do local play with an Xbox, you would have multiple Xboxes set in the house, Ethernet cables running all over the place, and people in different rooms yelling at each other. Yeah, but that's, so, that's like playing Halo. That's not playing Command & Conquer on a console. I know, but that's weird. Think about it, though. Uh, like, dude, you get a land cool, party actually. for that. You go, you pay 15 bucks an hour at a land cafe and do that. I'm not paying $15 an hour for that. Hook it up at home, man. All right, next up, this one. I remember this so much, and I wanted this so bad. And I never got it. It's the Sony Ericsson Xperia Play PlayStation phone. Sony Ericsson was the, like, dream brand for me back in the day. Like, I've always been a fan of Sony's tech 
outside of their gaming stuff. Like I got a Sony TV, a Sony soundbar, uh, the Sony Xperia uh, phone, their flagship model that came out in like 2011 or 12. Like I had that. I had the second one. Uh, and then they started to change the design. I love the idea of phones and Sony stuff. I've ever since the iPhone, I've been trying to get, you know, emulators and stuff running on phones. I don't really do it anymore just because I have so many other ways to play. I'm not really interested in that. But uh, man, the Sony Ericsson PlayStation phone, that that would have been it. That's what I wanted. That's what I was like, oh, man, like. They did the PSP. They've got this weird phone thing. Like, when are those going to come together? And it still doesn't seem like it's ever really happened. And it still seems like a great idea to me. Like, I don't know why Sony can't kind of get out of their own way and just marry those two together in a way that makes sense. I, I guess the problem is that, like, with phone carriers, you have to have, like, a carrier and most people are going to, you know, do the pay to own the phone. So it's like if you don't have a carrier that's going to give you the ability to do that without being an exclusive carrier, then you're going to have to just sell it full price. And people, a lot of people aren't willing to go out on a limb for something like that. Plus, nowadays, yeah. people are so embedded into one architecture or another like you're never going to draw somebody who has an iphone to buy this product if they could just yeah. buy a vita instead yeah i agree with you man uh so i didn't do a whole lot with this phone years ago when it first came out um it just wasn't even on my mind to purchase this so i do recall it coming out and my initial thought on this was like why like why why would i buy this and funny enough I would probably tell people that if you were looking to get something like this, don't get the Xperia Play trying to do, you know, emulators and all that. Look at the PSP Go. The PSP Go option. is supposed to be like one of the greatest emulation consoles. Like that's that's something that I would definitely want to pick up at some point. Yeah, they're like 150, 160 right now. I think these it? are running about 80. Yeah, I think these are running about 80 bucks. But you know what, though? At the end of the day, the PSP Go should be on this list, too. I, I don't see why, like, our next item that's going to be on the list, I don't see why that's on there. You have the Sony Ericsson phone. Yeah, it was crazy and everything, but it wasn't, like, this huge marketing ploy by Sony. Like, they just didn't pump this out a lot. There wasn't a whole lot of support. PSP Go, they, like, fully tried to support when it came out, like, as the next big thing. And I think it just it happened wasn't. too early. Like, I don't think you could launch a PSP Go now. But I think something in the style of PSP Go with a PlayStation Now package associated with it and like some sort of built in, you know, 3G that you could hook up. Or, I mean, you don't even really need that as much with Hotspot being as powerful as it is these days. Like, I've totally well, played Smash Bros off of uh, Hotspot. Yeah, and you got free Wi-Fi everywhere anyways. Yeah, uh, but, but yeah, you could that, do that, that, that like maybe into, five years from now, it would be a major success. For sure. That gets us into our next item here, PlayStation Now. I don't know why this is on the list. Um, because I think it's no, pretty like, awesome. Do you have it? 
No, but I think it's I don't have, I have it either. To... Yeah, but think about how many games I have. I don't need this. Yeah, think about how many games I don't have. I don't need it. Like, I think that's the thing is like the the Xbox Game Pass is so good. And it's such a draw because literally nothing outside of that really makes me want an Xbox. Like there's no games that I'm like, oh, I meant I need an Xbox so I can play that game. Having access to all the games that are available in the Game Pass library is the only thing that would ever draw me towards an Xbox One. Whereas the PlayStation, it's like I've had my PlayStation for for a few years now. I don't feel compelled to get PlayStation now at all. And, you know, that's fine. Like, I have plenty of other content that I have access to. Yeah, I mean, I can see it. But still, man, like, this is something that... It just doesn't feel as necessary. Yeah, it probably doesn't for a lot of people. And you obviously... We've had the ability to get free games through PlayStation for quite a while. And if you think about it, like these streaming services for all games anyways are kind of ridiculous how how many games do you play in a year now i mean we we obviously have like i think last year corpse flood gaming he did like 90 games or something in a year that's a crazy amount of games but he did a lot of like nes and arcade and that type of stuff when you're talking playstation games you're talking what 10 15 sometimes 20 hours a game how oh, much time do, like, does somebody if, have on you're hand not playing any rpgs well, yeah, I mean, but there's some like standard games, like a Call of Duty games, five, six hours for a campaign mode. Yeah. Like how much how much out of these streaming services are people actually getting? Like well, how much I value are you getting? I think it's just your ability to like mess around in stuff like, I mean, the PS Classic, for example, like I actually played a little bit more Ridge Racer after last week's podcast and you know i can just always do that because it's available or like super ghouls and ghosts like that was just available to me through you know some sort of passive thing like the playstation now so it's like having access you're not going to use them all but you're more inclined to go in like just looking at the screenshot right here like i've always wanted to play ico i've never played that i've always wanted to play um what else is on here? Oh, the Warhammer 40k Space Marine. I had that game and then I traded it away. So oh, it would it. be fun to be able to play that again. Uh, I've never really had much with the Ratchet and Clank. I see a Ratchet and Clank game there. Uh, there's lots of stuff like there's lots of stuff that it's like I would be totally willing to try any of those things, at least for a little while. And if it doesn't cost me more than 10 bucks to try all of those things, even if I don't keep playing any of them, at least I'll have had that exposure. That makes sense. By the way, what's going on with Gamefly? Because I know you were on there. Did you stop it or? Um, Final no, Fantasy I haven't VII? canceled it yet, but I'm going to. Yeah, not worth it. Well, it's just so the problem is I'm waiting for. Like I said, I cleared all my queue out. I sent Zelda back weeks ago now, and I'm like, okay, Final Fantasy VII. Uh, when's it coming? And like, I'll log in right now, but it's been saying 4:30. Yeah. Oh, it said release date 4:30 last time I checked. Now it says 4:28, which is 
actually in two days. So maybe I won't cancel it. Maybe I'll just see if Remake actually comes out on 428. Because what I had heard was that because of the coronavirus, uh, the shipping on the physical copies was going to be delayed. And, you know, Gamefly is probably not super high up on their list. Like, I don't know how they get a hold of the copies or where they buy them from or whatever. But if it comes out in two days, like, I'll give it another week. Yeah, I mean, they just gave okay. me five more bucks on there anyways. So maybe yeah, it's worth hanging finished. around. If you get Final Fantasy VII, it's worth keeping for a bit and then obviously just shipping it on back and canceling. Uh, okay, so let's get into our inflation deflation, dude. The uh, game that we did this week, as I had mentioned earlier in the episode, was Super Ghouls N Ghosts Ryan. And uh, it's by Capcom, their developer. The publisher is Capcom USA. Uh, designer Tatsuya Minami and Kimio Yamazo, I'm guessing. I don't know. Ryan, you usually do those names. And then <laughs> it was released in November of 1991 and is an action side-scrolling platformer prequel to all of the Dark Souls frustration game with a reception of an average of eight. So you had never played this before, right? Uh, no, I have played this a little bit. Like, I've definitely at some point sat down and, like, like tried to do a level and fail really hard and just give up and walk away. Like, at some point, I know that's happened. So this was my first time being like, okay, let's actually try this game. And it was super hard. It was really hard. And I didn't like it but I do like it. And now that I know that it's on the switch, I don't know. Like I've got this real pull back and forth with the switch online, super Nintendo and NES games. Cause it's like, these are all things that I feel like I should be wanting to play, but usually I don't really have a good time playing them. And I didn't really have a great time playing this mostly because it's just frustrating and I'm not really good with the jump arc and I kind of get myself into a corner and then it's like I'm just kind of flailing to throw things out. I haven't figured out which uh, weapon I like the most. I think I like the the torch the most and I actually got like the super armor one time and I was like throwing fireballs like a Mario. It was great. Like there's a lot of good stuff in here. I really like all the designs. I'm right there with uh, Arthur. I think Arthur's a badass, even though he's running around in his skivvies. So I love this game, man. And I think the sickle is uh, my favorite weapon, at least in level one. It's super easy to use, goes long distances, slices things pretty easily, and it's powerful. Uh, what really sucks is when you accidentally pick up the arrow after you've had the sickle and the arrow shoots. Me. Yeah, the arrow blows, man. I don't know. Um, the arrow's of course... okay. The dagger's definitely the worst. Yeah, I, I would say that. The dagger and then um, the lance. You know, on the lance is okay. I prefer it over to fireball, to be honest, or to torch. I just like the torch's arc. Like, I can hit things above me. And also, it well, makes yeah. that, like, flame path when it hits the ground. Yeah, that's true. That That is a benefit to have that arc. Uh, so, yeah, I'm right there with you, man. I think that the art style of this is great. The controls are, in my mind, pretty good. 
and the overall concept is great and the music as well. The issue I have is that there's so much damn stuff on the screen that it slows things down. That's the issue I have. And you had that issue too on the Switch, so it wasn't yeah. just my emulator. I played this a long time ago, and I got to like the wave section in the first level. That's what I couldn't get just... past. That's where I got stuck. We did not make it yeah. far, folks. No, I was not playing at all. on we beginner played... with nine lives, and I used like two continues, and I just I could not get past those waves. Like I would either yeah. screw up my jump and not land on the pillar, or I would overextend my second jump trying to get off the pillar and kill like the clam guy at the same time this is one of those things that when quarantine is kind of, not quarantine but when all the social distancing stuff is done you and i just need to like sit back and play one of these games and just like try to get as far as we can and just kind of take you know wouldn't it be better to do kind of during trade? the quarantine than after no i think it'd be fun because we could just trade off the controller and such oh okay i see yeah so doing no, it together no i'm already frustrated enough having to be stuck in a house let alone die every 10 seconds and super ghouls and ghosts um they do have an arcade version of this by the way so uh shout out to starfighters arcade if it's still there i did play uh ghouls and ghosts there and it was pretty cool uh so if you're in the arizona area check them out support them uh when this is all said and done so in terms of price point yeah, let's, we've uh, got we've got nothing but this. praise for this game, and I would like to praise it some more down here in the money section. So a loose copy of Super Ghouls and Ghosts is going to run you eight feet. Eight, uh, sorry, 18, eight feet, eight feet, huh? Eight feet, eighteen fifty-eight, and that peaked at uh, twenty-seven bucks back in March of twenty seventeen. So that price has come way down, and it's starting to go back up. So if you're looking for something tough as nails to cut your teeth on, uh, Super Ghouls and Ghosts, loose copy for the US SNES. Now, if you are a hardcore collector and you want that awesome box art on your shelf, it's going to cost you 75 bucks. That's down from $79.99 just last month, March 2020. And that's trending back down. That used to be hanging out, oh, where was it? It was hanging out around the like $50, $60 mark before. Yeah, it was like 56 back in November of last year. And it looks like it might be heading back down that way. So you might want to hold off on buying your box copy right now. Now, this week... The most expensive version and the cheapest version are the ones we already covered. So uh, good news for anybody out there that wants the cheapest U.S. SNES version. And most expensive, I'd probably say, is arcade. Well, that's not on the, the list, John. It is not. But if you want a physical copy of this in your house, it's going to cost you a pretty penny. So, dude, uh, 1858, are you thinking inflated or deflated? You know, it sounds like a lot for a game that's really frustrating to me, but I don't think so. I think that uh, this is the 70, what was it? It is the 75th best-selling Capcom game of all time. As of June 30th, 2017, the SNES version has sold 1.09 million units since its release in October of 91. So it's... uh. 
I think it's a part of gaming history. I think that, you know, Arthur is in uh, like the Marvel vs. Capcom games. I think that there's a lot of, you know, fond memories from, you know, much better gamers than mine's childhoods of this. I think that it's a, a good piece for your shelf. And I think that uh, 20 bucks is reasonable. I think the 1858 is just fine. I am right there with you. I'm right there with you, man. I'm going to say deflated on this. I think it's a great game uh, to really sit back and get frustrated and want to break a controller. And it's challenging. I mean, you don't really get that a lot of days now. Hard but fair. So, I wouldn't say fair. It's kind of stupid hard. I mean, but, it feels like uh, my fault. Like, I know what's going to happen. And it's like, I think that I can outjump this guy, but I can't. Yeah, that's true. I did have a lot of that, too. Okay, well, yeah, I'm right there with you, man. I'm going to have to say it is deflated. I think uh, we nailed that one, at least in my mind. But and, on uh, the other hand, if you have a Switch and you can buy the $20 online service, you get access to this and many, many more games, which is ultimately always going to be the better deal. 100%, man. Uh, if you want to risk and- your, your NNID getting hacked, I suppose. Egg, that's actually... That's actually what I was about to say. Good point, Ryan. All right, man. So what do we want to do next week? Do we have any idea? We think in, uh, you know, Sega. Well, no, I didn't give you Sega. So we think in NES, maybe something on Let NES. Let me do what I have on NES. I mean, we have a lot on NES. We'll, we'll have to go through it for the folks. Uh, but while I search really quick in my database, um. Of course, I already mentioned it, but catch us on podcasting applications everywhere. Leave five-star reviews as we would like. If you can leave a six-star review, that's even better, but not necessary. Oh, And of dude. course, catch us on social media. What? What do you How got? How about Ice Climbers? I've never played Ice Climbers. Uh, yeah, we could do that. I don't own it, but yeah, we could do that. Or Master Blaster. I've never played Master Blaster. Master Blaster? Or we could do Super Mario 2 since we didn't do Doki Doki Panic this week. Uh, We can if you want. Uh, Master Blaster might be fun as well. I could have sworn I own that game too. Okay, yeah. Do you want to do Super Mario 2? Sure. Okay, we'll see if Super Mario 2 is truly worth the money. Dude, there's a lot of people that um, are like, yeah, this game's amazing. It's the best one, which I'm kind of shocked that they think so. Really? But Who says that? Yeah. Lots of people. I think they're just trying to be different. Lots of people say that. If you're lots of people, let us know. Hey, look, these are people that are commenting on my posts on Facebook about our podcast episodes. We love Super Mario 2. Super Mario 2 is number one on my list. Okay, well, Oh, was this in response to the Mario list we did a few weeks ago? Yeah, yeah. Everybody's like, Mario 2. Mario 2 is amazing. Why is it on your my bad list? I'm like, (laughs) really? Like, okay, great. Like, enjoy that game because it was kind of garbage. So, all right, we'll we'll play it next week, and obviously, people know we'll what I'm give it a new assessment. We'll we'll take a look at it with fresh eyes. I mean, it's been years since I've played it. It's been months since I played it. <laughs> I actually booted up on a on an emulator here not too long ago just to do save states. So, like, I don't want to I don't want to start over every damn time I die. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right, well. That has been episode 77 of the Game Deflators podcast. Um, My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.